today's episode, Brittany and I interviewed Amber Ray. Her new book, Choose Wonder Over Worry, shows how you can move beyond fear and doubt to unlock your full potential. I loved this episode. Her book is a game changer for anyone who struggles with anxiety, worry, fear, and doubt, which is literally everyone I know. We chatted with Amber about what led her to write this book, the difference between toxic and useful worry, things you can do to tame your worry voice, and so much more. Also, an exciting note before we dive into this episode, we're giving away eight copies of her new book that just came out this week. All the details on how to grab your free copy are at the end of the show. So stay tuned to the end and enjoy. For me, I couldn't do it all at once, but it, I realized I had to make a commitment to myself was that, was that I on this lifetime was on a truth-seeking journey and not a comfort-seeking journey. We are so excited to welcome Amber Ray to the show today. Hi, Amber. Welcome to the Raw and Revolution podcast. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, me too. I'm so excited you're here. Um, So a little bit about Amber. Amber has been called a millennial motivator by Fortune and the Brene Brown of Wonder, which I love, uh, (laughs) by Mind Body Green. Amber Ray is an author, artist, and speaker whose work invites you to live your truth, befriend your emotions, and express your gifts. Amber has been featured in the New York Times, Time, Fast Company, BBC, ABC World News, Tim Ferriss blog, and so much more. She lives in Brooklyn and around the world with her fiance, Farhad. All of the things, so amazing. And I just have to tell you, and I think I mentioned this to you a little bit in correspondence, but um, you know, about four or five years ago, I stumbled across your blog and I was making a significant transition in my life. I was leaving the corporate world um, and I was kind of in this, like, what the hell am I gonna do now with my life mode? And you know, going down the rabbit hole of one thing to another thing to another thing led me to you. And I remember at that time reading your blog and thinking, wow, like this level of vulnerability is so inspiring. And Mm. I want that. Like, I want to be brave. I want to be able to just show up. So I love, you know, that was the kind of closing of an era for me. And I feel like with Raw and Revolution kicking off now, this is the starting of a, of kind of the next, next era. And so I find it just really beautiful to have you here at the beginning of this journey with us. I love that. I love that. Yay. Yeah. It's like, we go back. I know we go back and you know, you didn't even know it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So And a side note to that, I was so excited to hear that you were coming on the podcast and I was going to go, you know, stalk you a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh, I've actually been following her for years. I love your stuff. I just like didn't make the connection. So we've all been connected for a while now, which is fascinating to me. I love it. Yeah. Oh, social media, Instagram. I know. know. We're all in relationship and we have no idea. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, I'm really interested because I know, uh, you know, your journey has a little bit of some parallel paths. Um, what really, you know, in the Cliff's Notes version, what brought you from your old corporate life to where you are now with this wonder over worry message, which is so important? 
Yeah. Okay. The cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can go long if you want. <laughs> no, but you know, I think where it really started was with a full breakdown and I had done everything I thought I was supposed to do. I was, you know, on paper successful or following this like successful trajectory, working with Apple in Silicon Valley, working with different startups. And I just felt so far away from myself, the more I, you know, and I, I was on this like hustle for approval and validation. And that was leading me so strongly that it led to a series of pretty self-destructive behaviors like popping Adderall without needing it just to like get more done. And because I thought that I'd be thinner and then if I'm thinner, men will love me. Like I had all these stories and, um, and that all basically culminated like overwork, underplay, popping Adderall, um, being in a, you know, in a career path, just that there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't meant for me. And that all led to this like full breakdown moment where I realized that I was living someone else's life, but I didn't know who I was or what my life was. And so it was this like scary, but like liberating revelation when I finally admitted to myself, whoa, this is not me. And I don't know who I am. And, you know, and that's really where the wondering began because I'm like, okay, well, if this isn't me, this is everything. Cause it was what I thought I wanted in a lot of ways. It was what I thought I was like supposed to do. And I thought I was going to like, then go to like Facebook or Google and like climb this, that ladder. And, um, but I just felt like I was like breaking out in rashes and like my body was just saying, no, this isn't you. No, this isn't you. And I had a still quiet voice inside of me saying, this is not you. This is not your life. And so that's when the wondering began and I began to think like, okay, well then who am I and why am I here and what are my gifts and what am I passionate about and how do I express the fullness of my gifts? And I didn't know answers to any of those questions. So I decided to essentially turn my life into this living laboratory where I would do a series of self experiments. And the first one was a little bit of a big one. <laughs> I, I, at this point, I felt like, knew I needed to make a drastic change or like I just knew for my own well-being and health that I needed to make a drastic change. So that came in the form of quitting my job, selling everything I own and moving across the country from San Francisco to New York in 48 hours. We don't always need drastic change. like quite like that to be able to make, you know, it might be like, I need to, I want to meditate every day for five minutes. Or I want to paint for 10 minutes. I was like, no, I'm going to like full reset. <laughs> and the full reset really is when um, I feel like I, began, life began to open up and I really began to wonder about what was possible versus fear or fall into anxiety or worry about the unknown and what might go wrong. Oh, I love that so much. And I also, I just love the parallels because, um, I feel like your story is so much my story and I'm sure it's so many other people's stories. I know one of the reasons Brittany and I created this platform is because we feel like people get wrapped up in the shoulds and what I'm supposed to do. And this is what it is. And then all of a sudden you get into it and you're in your career for five years and you're like, Holy, wait, wait, (laughs) like, let's just stop and take a look at this. So I love, um, I love the message of wonder and really taking a moment to just be curious about Mm -hmm. where we are, no matter what place we're in. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting too, right? You don't even need to really necessarily want to leave your current career or whatever to get into a place of exploration. So, yeah. yeah. And I love to the choice of wonder over worry. So I'm interested in what your definition of worry is. 
Like what is, because we just heard a little bit about what wonder is. What yeah. is what is the worry that sneaks up for most people? So if wonder is the curious guide, mm -hmm. the way I think of worry is that nagging inner critic. Mm -hmm. It's the voice inside our head that's saying, you can't do that. You're not good enough. Who do, who do you think you are? What are they going to think of you? Oh, if you try that, you'll likely fail. That's too risky. You know, on and on and on and on yeah. and on. It's, it's that voice that basically paralyzes and prevents us from taking action. And, you know, I how I really, you know, I was, I was hearing that voice before I made the leap to New York. But then when I had taken this risk and made these bold moves, that's when actually worry started to get louder mm -hmm. because worry was like, whoa, like all these new, interesting novel things that are very unknown and uncertain. I don't like the unknown or uncertainty, which worry hates the unknown. And so worry would be like, you know, very loud and active because I was outside my comfort zone, because I was trying new things, because I was in wonder. And so I, it, what was, it was this interesting dance of realizing that the more I explored wonder, sometimes the, more, the louder that worry would get. Uh, that's so interesting, too, because, right, when you think about, you know, just even looking at the, um, the title, and it seems like it's one choice over another, but the reality is as you choose the one, it sets off the alarm of the other. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And so that's why it becomes a daily active choice. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, I had someone ask me recently in an interview, so like, you don't worry anymore, right? I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and literally, like, I, I'd say the, the journey of this book, which because it's been, um, writing this book has been the biggest dream of all the dreams for me, the thing that like, I just knew I had to do, but was so afraid to do. As soon as I finally committed and like, you know, got the agent, got the deal, like the dream began to unfold. Worry became louder than ever before because worry was like, you might lose this or you might fuck up. Yeah. And, you know, so worry was so afraid of like me sabotaging the opportunity that, you know, worry was loud in the writing process. Like as the, per so worry has a lot of like siblings or like, um, I think there are many, many manifestations of worry. And in the book, you meet 27 different characters of worry. Oh, wow. Um, one That's of which amazing. is, yeah. So like one is perfectionism is like a, a, a friend of worry. So perfectionism, you know, when I was sitting down in the writing process, most days, this isn't good enough. People are going to hate it. Oh my God. That like, where is this going? I can't believe you're telling the story, yada, yada, yada. And then that's where, you know, <clears throat> my work is really about how do we have a relationship actually with worry and wonder? Because it's only when we have a relationship with both that we can discern and make the choice of, I'm going to continue to choose curiosity. I'm going to continue to choose the path of wonder, both in the world outside of me and wondering, you know, in at the, the world within. And so, um, so yeah, like I, I can go a lot of directions, so but I'm going to pause there for a second. There's like two different directions too. I'm like, oh my gosh, we can go this way or we can go this way. So I'm going to go with, okay, I'm going to go with the one thing I was already wondering yeah. <laughs> before. Let wonder lead the way. Yes, let wonder lead the way. So one of the things that I saw um, come up when looking at the content of, the, of this book is the idea that a lot of times, and I think this is so relevant in the like, spiritual community is that when we have these emotions that we have titled negative, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm using quotation marks around that because yeah. I mean, really they're all neutral until we assign meaning to it. But when we have yes. these experiences, right, we immediately go, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be anxious. So let me shift that into something really positive, And I'm going to just like spiritually bypass my way out of this discomfort. And so I'm really interested because you talk about kind of embracing the worry 
yeah. and what that looks like and why that's so important with what you've experienced. First off, I've actually never heard anyone say that emotions are neutral until we assign meaning to them. I've heard that in numerous other ways, but that one-liner, like, that needs to be written out somewhere and, like, no. put, on, put on a print. Yeah, I don't think that's mine. So I feel okay. like that came from, because um, I, do, I don't want to take credit for something that's not mine, but I, Dr. Tracy Thomas, who okay. I, um, who owns a coaching company that I work for and has trained me that okay, I okay, okay. So, <laughs> it is it's Dr. Beautiful. Tracy <laughs> yes, it's beautiful but I can't necessarily take credit for that <laughs> yeah well I love that question and you know what I found in my own life and then of course you know what we tend to find in our own lives we tend to see is like oh this is like actually happening in society as well which was that I was I was a bit of a positivity aholic or a silver lining aholic and so because I was afraid to feel the discomfort of certain emotions, I would push it away, choose positivity and optimism and think like if I, and I actually at one point thought that if I gave energy to the quote unquote negative thoughts, then bad things would happen in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so dangerous, yes. <laughs> so dangerous because what ended up happening for me is that then, you know, what I was like, oh, let me just be happy and not allow sadness to come in is that the sadness over time increased in size. And now it wasn't just sadness. It was like angry sadness that like has been repressed and not able to uh, have, um, yeah, be expressed. And so, you know, I, I think it's about how do we actually welcome and embrace all of who we are to have a voice and to allow itself to be expressed. Like anger is not bad. Like you said, anger is neutral until we add meaning to it. Anger actually could be super valuable because anger says, yo, not okay. Need to set a boundary. Like this can't continue. Anger, that's like awesome. Anger is a loyal friend that like, is that like ass kicking boundary setting like part of us. Yes. Anxiety too, like anxiety, you know, there was during this book process, I would wake up at 3 a.m. like sharp, shoot out of bed with anxiety. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And previously I would have been like, okay, let me just like, you know, I would have tried to get rid of it, which I'll get to that in a second. But instead I was like, okay, anxiety is telling me that something's out of alignment because anxiety is that loyal friend that wakes us up and says, hey, something isn't right here. And so with anxiety, I, you know, basically uncovered that one strategy that I was moving toward with the book was actually out of alignment. So anxiety was waking me up to say, hey, like, let's just look at this a little bit closer. Cause like, this is so important to me. I have goosebumps as I say this, cause anxiety, like all these emotions are like this, I, I care so much. And because I care so much, the only way I know how to get your attention is being loud and a little scary. Like, I, I love the metaphor of, I remember this moment when I was a kid and I ran down the grass and I ran toward the, there was like, I kicked a ball and I ran to follow the ball to cross the street and a car was coming. I didn't see the car and my mom screamed, you know, with like um, enormous fear, which was actually just love masked. Mm -hmm. And because she didn't want me to get hit by that car, that like she erupted to protect me. And so that's often what's happening with these quote unquote negative emotions. They're erupting to protect us and keep us safe because they care so much. And so then the work becomes, how do we get underneath these, you know, emotional impulses or reactions or these signals, really, that's what they are, to uncover what information they're wanting to reveal to us. That's so beautiful. Like I kind of have tears a little bit because <laughs> I, you know, like I, I think that I could probably have a PhD in worry, like to be honest with you, I'm sure mm. I have a lot of that too. But you know, anxiety has 
been a part of my life and I have never really looked at anxiety as my friend. Mm. What has she been trying to tell me? And have that shift right now in this conversation of like, oh my gosh, I've been judging her, but really she's my homegirl. Yeah. So I can't wait to get my hands on your book. (laughs) I just, I just love that um, this curiosity and this wonder about how these different feelings that we experience, like we're human and to be able to look at them as, you know, our, our friends, they're there for a reason and to not suppress them, but to actually kind of, you know, have a conversation with them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Feel them, see what they're they're trying to push you. Like this is just, my mind's kind of blown right now. (laughs) I'm loving it. Yay. Yes. It's amazing. Even just the fear of being love masked, right? Yes. Like it's all at the end of the day, our whole system is designed to support us. And so the anxiety, the worry, all of the things. And so I'm interested because obviously Amber, you've had such a big transition in your life that led to this book. And there might be people who are listening who might be in a place where, um, they might be a little bit scared to ask mm. the questions, like if they've got, you know, anxiety or worry and they feel like it might be like, if they actually explored it, it might cause them to have to make different decisions yeah. or changes that might be scary. Um, and I'm interested to just hear your perspective on, um, on that, on, on being able to be curious. Cause it's like the worry <laughs> about being curious about worry, the worry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm very familiar with that. I mean, yeah. I mean the truth, like who said this, the truth will piss us off and then the truth will set us free. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting who the author is. I don't know who it is either, but yeah. But I mean, that is, you know, I basically, I, I had to make a commitment with myself because this happened to me as well. And all of a sudden I was like, shit, Oh, I so don't want to go there. I don't want to end that. I don't want to end this relationship that's like really comfortable, but I know I'm not supposed to be in. Oh man, I have to quit my job and move across the country. Ooh, I have to go after this thing where everyone might reject me and laugh at me. You know, like it was, or it was like the more I uncovered, the more honest I had to be with myself. Ooh, like I actually really take wine or drink wine to take the edge off and like really got to reevaluate that relationship with the, with alcohol. Like it was like everything. I feel like was not necessarily at one point, everything was not serving me. And so it was like, for me, I couldn't do it all at once, but it, I realized I had to make a commitment to myself was that, was that I on this lifetime was on a truth seeking journey and not a comfort seeking journey. Mm-hmm. And with a truth seeking journey comes a lot of truths that I am not going to want to admit to myself, but it is my job and my duty, my number one job and duty to reveal those truths to myself. If like nothing else, And so, you know, some of those truths, like, took a year for me to, like, really finally look at, admit to myself, even though I knew. Um, And some were like, okay, I'm really going in this and I'm entering this. But I tried to do it, like, I peeled back one at a time. And, you know, at first it started with, like, okay, career stuff. Like, that that for me felt the um, least least scary Mm -hmm. and the most um, important and timely. And so like, I went after that first. And then I started to look at like, oh, why am I always dating emotionally unavailable men? Oh, because I really haven't processed the grief grief around losing my father and then ending a relationship with the stepfather. There's probably some things to look at there. (laughs) Like, 
And so it just became like peeling back um, this onion. But always what I return to is that I've committed to living a life that is true rather than one that is comfortable. And anytime I feel like I don't want to go there, I just center myself in that and know that while it's, and, and here's the thing, the reason why um, I avoid it is just because it's slightly uncomfortable. Like literally that's it. And when I remember that it's just the discomfort that I'm trying not to feel, it's, it's going back to, you know, a feeling is neutral until we create meaning around it. The emotions that I was avoiding sometimes take 90 seconds to feel and let go of and release and process. But it's the story we create about those feelings that last a lot longer. Like I think of my um, college boyfriend when we broke up and I was devastated and convinced that men I will never love me and I'm not lovable. And I've created all these stories that like followed me for like six or seven years until I like decided to look at like, why did I decide I'm not lovable again? Like where, what, where did that come from? Yeah. And so it's knowing that on the other side of the temporary discomfort is so much liberation and freedom. And it makes the, you know, momentary discomfort so worth it. Absolutely. You know, it's so inspiring to hear that because I feel like worry can be so debilitating, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you actually, you've, you've taken action steps to kind of remove yourself from that. Okay, this might not feel totally comfortable, but I'm willing to walk through this to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And what really resonates with me on this and is the, the freedom aspect of it. And I think um, nothing that is really amazing in life comes without some kind of um, discomfort because there's like discomfort and growth, there's discomfort and change. But the thing about emotions is they're supposed to flow through us. That's the whole point. And if we don't actually feel them, they don't go anywhere and they're just stuck inside of us. So the idea that like, once you actually embrace, like embrace this worry, then you're free. Isn't that what everybody wants to just feel completely free of having these things own them? As we talk about worry kind of being debilitating, it's like, well, when you learn to embrace it, it's no longer debilitating. And so I really think diving into this next topic that you're talking about on your social media a few days ago, the toxic worry versus Mm. useful worry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is super interesting to me. Yes. Let's embrace it. But let's, let's make sure kind of like you were saying with the stories, like, let's not make it toxic though. Yeah. And I think one thing to say is that, because I know we were talking befriending, and I think it is, it's important to befriend both the toxic and the useful, mm-hmm. because it's only when we have the relationship with it, do we have the discernment to know that's useful and that's toxic. Ah. Just like, just like when we love ourselves, we won't let people treat us like shit. You know, when we like yeah. love our worries, we won't let them treat us like shit. Right. And so when we're like, okay, I'm embracing you because I've gotten over the fact that I need to avoid you and try and push you away or medicate you or do whatever. Um, not that, I don't want to go down into the medication path because there are, there are, I, that's something that I'm not like licensed to speak to. So just going to put that to the side. (laughs) (laughs) Medicated through like, I'm talking like Adderall or like taking other drugs that take you away as Mm -hmm. an escapism. Right. Clarity. So, (laughs) so, um, Basically, what we realize is that there's both the useful worry and there's the toxic worry. And the useful worry is that worry. Like if we have a really important meeting in a week where this is like, you know, something big could come of this, worry is probably going to show up and make sure that we're prepared 
-hmm. and make sure that we've done our homework and make sure that we can be our best selves in that meeting. So that's when worry will show up and be like, hey, like, have you, you know, prepared for that meeting yet? Or whatever that looks like. But toxic worry are those stories that ruminating, you're not good enough, they won't love you. Um, what are, you know, the, it's the, the looping, obsessing, ruminating thoughts um, about the things we can't control or the things that are in the future and beyond our control. And so when we're, you know, the, the process I love to do whenever I'm having a worry storm, I always pull out a sheet of paper and I write down, you know, just like everything that's in my space that I'm worried about. And that process alone is so like, it's such a release and it's so cathartic because the things that are dancing around inside of my brain and then like playing in my body, now we're on a sheet of paper that I can look objectively at. And then I'll go through the list and I'll circle what I can control of. So like, you know, I was really worried last week because our venue for my big launch event backed out because a famous fashion designer came in and decided to buy out the entire week. And so I was venueless for the biggest, you know, probably one of the biggest events of my life. And like, and I had like two weeks. And so worry was like, ah, you know, and while that was something that I, that I could control because I could send 10 asks out, I could do this, I could do this. And so it's going through the list and circling what you can control of and take productive action on. And what is just a, a story that um, wants to be revisited. And so once we've named it, this is Dr. Dan Siegel calls it like naming it to tame it. Once we've gone through the process of naming it, that actually neuroscience research shows we can reduce our anxiety around it by up to 50%. Because, and I, you know, and I like, I can feel that difference between, ah, like worried state to hold on pen and paper. Let me like get it down. Whew. Okay. I'm back in the present moment. I'm not thinking about why did then why didn't that happen? I'm not thinking about a, oh my god, what might happen next? I'm thinking of what can I do right now. Oh, and centering, I love that so much. And centering in that is so important because otherwise we're like there or there, but we're not here. Mm-hmm. So how do we come back here? And so then once many. once we're here, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? I was like, so many aha moments are coming at me right now. <laughs> So once I'm here, what can I take productive action on that's useful? And for the things that I can't control, um, that's where I like to have a conversation. That's where I like to talk to it. So, you know, I think of how, you know, for me losing a father, I, and then my relationships with men, I tended to date emotionally available men because I had a story that men I love will leave me. And so it took me like years of like talking to this worry voice and saying, you know, men at like, where are you coming from? Um, where did I learn you? And really diving into conversation to get beneath that voice to find out the story that's underneath it. And realizing that like, oh, the like, you know, the breakup with that college boyfriend was actually about this moment when I was three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that only came through like the dialogue and the conversation and the peeling back the layers. And this is where, so in the book, I talk about wonder having three friends, courage, curiosity, and compassion. And courage is the part of us that's like, I don't want to go there. That seems really uncomfortable. Wow. Some like juicy territory there. I don't want to go there, but I'm going to go there anyway. And then curiosity is like, hmm, I wonder what that means. Hmm. I wonder where I learned that. Hmm. I wonder who told us that. You know, it's the, the detect, inner detective of sorts. And then compassion, so important, is like you were doing the best that you could you, yes, you created the story and it's okay because you created that story to protect you. And it's the only thing you need to do at the time. Do you want to rewrite that story now? And, you know, I feel like those, those 
elements of self are those characters are so important because they allow us, they like hold us in a, it's like a mother cradling us um, while we look at these like scary stories we've been telling ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, just keeping on that, that topic of just like this, this toxic worry and the stories, I know that you really ask your readers to reflect on the myth of not good enough or not enough. And that's the story yeah. that, you know, has been <laughs> That everybody has. No, every, it's like every human has that story. Everybody. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. just how that impacts, you know, your overall, your overall well-being and just maybe share with us where this myth comes from. Like, where did we get this? Why are we all walking around with this? Yeah. I mean, I don't fully know where we got it, but I know that we came into the world with it and our entire society is designed around it. So like the entire, I remember I worked in advertising when I started out my career, brand marketing, advertising world. And I remember um, the CEO pulling us into a meeting and he had, we had a new product to help men shine their shoes. And it was like a on the go shoe shiner. And he said, so we just have to make men feel insecure about their shoes not being clean and then they'll buy the product. And so it's like consumerism is make them feel insecure. So they buy not always, but a lot of it is, or, you know, let's basically mind wash these people (laughs) into thinking like they, if they want to look like this or be like this, which is, um, you know, some model on a billboard that's photo touched um, and doesn't actually even look like that. So it's like, something that is not even that no human could ever have let's make them think that's possible so that they do all these things to themselves in order to try and become that and so i mean we see that in our school system as well our school system like 4.0 like your grades determine um what college you get into and college is the way that you can be a successful human and adult and if you don't go to college something's wrong with you and if you don't get good grades you're not smart and, you know, there's, those are all the conditioning that we are raised into when like sometimes people like the format of school is for like people who can like memorize information and regurgitate that information. School is not a creative place. No. School mm-hmm. does not like all it measures is like, you know, what it measures is not necessarily intelligence. It measures like, um, more like who can be a, who can be in the system and yeah, who can be in a system who can like be a sheep in the whole, in the whole system. So, so, you know, I think that's part, some of the ways in which we're conditioned into this not enoughness. And, you know, what I say in the book is we are born with tremendous wonder and you see kids run around and they are, they're filled with wonder. They're curious. They want to know what all these things mean. And I felt that way too. And it was around like 12, 13 when I moved into like, middle and high school that I then all of a sudden moved into perfectionism, performance, have to do well, make teachers happy, make mom happy, make everyone happy, um, you know, do all these things in order to, you know, be good enough in order to be, not even be good enough, but to be exceptional. Mm-hmm. And right, because good enough is not, is not enough. Like, yeah. If you are average, this is at this point in our society, average isn't seen as a, negative thing if you're just it's like oh I'm just average and you're like first of all there is no average because everybody's so unique but we're not embracing that right we're not wondering and curious about who we are anymore yeah like I wonder what it would look like if school was you know we had more like coach guides where it was we designed our curriculum Mm -hmm. with the support of different like mentorship 
who has a lot more wisdom and experience, but we'd say, here's where I feel curious this year. And here's the, like, I want to design my curriculum to look like this. We'd create self-starters. We'd create people who had initiative, who would like tap into their creativity, like cultivate skills of entrepreneurship and, you know, and then learn to ask for help. And like all of the qualities that aren't being cultivated, like that's like when I, I mean, when I, I think, uh, I think we'll have kids when we are a kid, I feel like that's what I'm going to get really passionate about, like rethinking education. Not quite there yet, but starting to get curious around it because it's like, it's like so messed up. I know. It's like, I mean, why, why aren't we just teaching people how to master, how to build mastery around their natural given strengths? Because our strengths are why we're here, right? Like it's like to foster and to give our gifts to the world. And yeah, and I think about, have you, have you listened to Ken Robinson's TED talk about how schools oh, yes. creativity? <laughs> yes. He's yeah. amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. He actually, there's a quote he said that I love so much when I was doing my research. He said, um, you know, us as humans, we're all afraid of failing and not being enough. And we, what we miss out on or what we don't realize is that that's actually what unites us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we often, we often think we're alone and not feeling good enough or, um, feeling, fearing that we'll fail when actually pretty much every human, you know, navigates that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure every, like, especially from like coaching, um, every person I've ever worked with has that underlying belief system of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. And if you don't, you're probably a sociopath. Like, honestly, you probably just can't feel things. Yeah. And, you know, part of me at this point thinks it's like a shared karma thing or whatever, but the reality is, is we all have it. And so being able to be who we are and stand in our truth and be free with just recognizing that that's there and that's a big part of this worry voice, right? Mm-hmm, it's such mm-hmm. a big part of that worry voice um, that it's like, why wouldn't we just embrace it? And I think even the most confident person if you're not asking the questions about the worry, you might not even know that you have that story that's operating yeah. um, and driving your actions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so much of it is unconscious. And so, right. and then it's, so it's, and it's choosing wonder about the worry is a process of really bringing it from the unconscious to the conscious so that you can then look at it. So amazing. What you're doing is just, you're bringing awareness to this. You're, showing people kind of like this programming that we never necessarily thought we had, whether it be in the school system or just family dynamics and just alone bringing um, awareness to that so we can kind of come to that with curiosity and wonder. Mm-hmm. It's like a total shift. I think we're, we're going into the age where it's all about self-leadership. Millennial motivator, totally <laughs> do. <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about that one, but I was like, it's fine. I would no. totally it. I love it. And I think it's so important too, because I, you know, I read somewhere in the last week, I think about how millennials, the anxiety rates are off the charts. And, you know, part of when you were talking earlier too, about the not enough story, part of me, like all of a sudden what popped in my head was social media, right? Because we pretend, everybody pretends to be their best version of themselves on social media and they don't show really necessarily the whole picture or whatever. And we're always comparing ourselves against that. I was just talking to a friend about how she deleted her social media because it was um, fueling her anxiety. Yeah. And so I just know that millennials are, are totally in this place of worry. And I'm curious like to hear kind of your thoughts on, on that about being young in the society and how worry is just so, you know, might be bigger than ever. 
Yeah. Well, I think we're in a really interesting time right now because the way that we work, everything is changing right now. So anytime there's change, there's discomfort and anxiety and worry because there's no, nothing to hold on to as like evidence of something that works. And because technology, career, like, like we're in like future of work, future of life, future of like everything. And so it's a really interesting time where there's so much opportunity, but in that opportunity, there's so much anxiety because we can't like, it's, I'd say for most of us, our parents had a totally different paradigm of work and like the way of culture and all the things. And so like, I think a lot of the anxiety comes around, um, or I know this from me, is like, I couldn't turn toward my elders to ask them like, what should I, what path, you know? And so it was really learning to cultivate a relationship with the wisdom within me and looking maybe, maybe not asking them for direction on path, but wisdom in other ways. And so I just think we're in this such an interesting time right now because there is so much uncertainty around where the world is going both politically as well as just like economically and tech with technology and then with the technology and the social media you know we're in a phase right now where it hasn't really been designed with cert like to serve us it's been designed to get us to click and go through and like as quickly as we can because that's how they make advertising dollars and so it feeds into this cycle of us actually using social media as a form of escape or a form is projecting an image of someone that isn't actually us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my question, and I have a friend of mine who's starting, it's, there's a movement called Time Well Spent, which is all around encouraging people who are developing technologies to um, the engineers to think about how do we actually optimize for humans spending their time well, not spending their time here like as much as possible. And so, you know, I think social media can, has been a beautiful tool for me. It's like how I've landed jobs. It's how I've met friends. It's how I've built a community and following. It's how I led to my book deal. But how do we use it in a way that actually makes us feel well versus takes away that wellness? Yes, for sure. I mean, I remember there was a couple of years ago, I went through and I unfollowed anybody who was consistently negative or any, you know what I mean? Anybody that made me either feel bad about myself or may, you know, was having just negative messages on the reg because it was like anything that you read, you're absorbing, right? So I'm yeah. absorbing that negative energy. I remember I felt so much better just when I did that. And now I've gone to the thing where I'm like, you know, on Instagram, I like have unfollowed like pretty much all the personal connections for the most part, the other than like my really close people. And I just follow inspiring people or people who like make me want to elevate my game, people who in an, in an inspirational way and not a like make critical way. Right. Yeah. And so I love that idea of it's, it's really not social media. It's how we're using it. And it's about the yeah. consciousness around it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you can even bring all your, everything that you've talked about in this episode to that, the wonder, the curiosity of like, how am I showing up in this relationship or how is it serving me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that you did a what was I? I just had the word and then I lost it. You sort of did it. It's like a cleanse. Yeah. Like, yeah. like cleansed out anything that wasn't serving. It's like, no, thank you. Sometimes we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I, I feel like we can probably wrap up now, but I just wanted to get your take on if there was one thing you wanted to leave our mm. audience with, if there is mm. one thing about the wonder over worry message, you know, what is it that you feel is so vitally important for people to understand? Yeah. 
I'm going in two directions right now. Okay, I'm going to say, can I say a couple things? Yeah, of course. So the first thing I'd say is really embracing your cracks and embracing your imperfections and embracing the parts of you that you tend to want to, you know, not look at or love and to really both um, wonder about what it would look like to embrace that for you Mm. and to wonder why you haven't been embracing it, I think is equally as powerful. And, you know, really, when I say choose wonder over worry, what, what I'm hoping the path of choosing wonder is, is a path to welcoming, embracing, and accepting the fullness of who you are as you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we get curious about what that looks like and what's preventing that, I feel like that's the pathway to really come home to who we are and to come home to that truth. So, you know, with that as the invitation to, in every moment, choose wonder, um, even about the worry. And that's really where we find ourselves in this union because it's not an either or. It's not worry versus wonder, curiosity versus fear. You know, it's, it's how do we actually embrace it all and hold space for all of it because there's, there's wisdom and teachings in, in everything. So there's, there's that. And then the other thing that I've just been thinking about a lot and um, particularly with women is I would invite you to create for yourself or to do things, you know, I feel like we're so often we want to help other people, which is really beautiful and important. And I would encourage you to, to look at your own ache, to look at your own um, angst and to think, how can I help myself? Perhaps because in helping yourself, that actually may help more people overall. So whether that looks like painting your feelings or writing a poem or creating a book or, you know, hosting a dinner party to talk about certain things or maybe exploring just self-study and self-experiments around whatever challenges you feel like you're going into, really face those with love and face those with curiosity because I feel like that's the greatest work of all. I love it so much. I'm so excited to just dive into your book and just up-level my relationship with myself and anxiety and you know everything that we've talked about so thank you so much of course the work that you do it's so needed thank you yeah and I love I love the way you just um really talked about people embracing and looking at taking care of themselves in that way and I know self-love and self-care it's like this big trend these days um and so important but I think a lot of people they're like, yes, I know I'm supposed to love myself. I know I'm supposed to care for myself, but what does that actually mean? And how do I do it? Yeah. I think that that was just a really beautiful way to show people um, an actionable way to do it. And I think that's one of the things that I've taken the most out of this conversation is that there are so many practical, actionable things you can do that aren't like huge and conceptual, right? To be able to actually, you know, tame and embrace this part of our lives that has been kind of taken over. The worry part has kind of taken over for people and there's very actionable, practical things you can do. So anybody who struggles with worry should definitely pick up a copy of this book. Thank you so much, Amber, for- Yeah, this is amazing. Chatting with us today. I cannot wait for this message to just spread like wildfire because it's so necessary, so needed, and it's going to just impact so many people. Thank you. It was, uh, this is so lovely. All right. Bye ladies. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. 
You can find Amber on Twitter and Instagram at HeyAmberRay, Ray spelled R-A-E. Her website and blog are AmberRay.com, and you can get all the juicy details about the book at ChooseWonder.com. You can grab a free copy of Choose Wonder Over Worry by leaving us a review, screenshotting it or taking a picture, and sending it to hello at rawandrevolution.com. And that is hello at raw and revolution spelled out R-A-W-A-N-D-R-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N dot com. And all of these are in the show notes if you didn't get to catch every single word. But definitely subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And we will see you next time. <laughs>